And there was this one where he attached a car to a hot air balloon and had it fly over Indianapolis. And then once it landed, got in the car. And drove off. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And welcome to ICI Digs Deep. This is Sarah Marshall, the manager of digital media and communications at ICI. And today I have Richard Hedgecock, president of ICI with me. Hello, Richard. Hi, Sarah. And Richard, I want to tell you a story. Oh, I love (laughs) stories. What are you going to tell us a story about? I'm going to talk about the Lincoln Highway. So I've been doing a lot of research for the centennial that's coming up and writing that book. And there's been a lot of very interesting stories that, you know, may not fully fit into the narrative of the book, but I still think they're worth telling. Some of them are very (laughs) fun and interesting. And we should note that Sarah, one of the main functions that she's got going on right now through the centennial year of 2024, she's actually writing the book, The ICI and Road Building History for the last hundred years. So she's been Digging into all kinds of musty old boxes and books of photographs at Purdue and just uh, gathering up all kinds of pretty cool stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised you've come across some fun stories. Oh, yes. I've become a very niche historian in this process. (laughs) So the Lincoln Highway. Yeah. Do you know where that is in Indiana? So I I was actually up in Fort Wayne Mm -hmm. about two weeks ago and was meeting a guy for coffee uh, with the congressional staff up there. And I wandered across the river and saw a sign that said, you are now on the Lincoln Highway. Well, it was weird because I had just read about the Lincoln Highway and about a a book about the Lincoln Highway. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't have any knowledge of it. You know, I'm from the Southwest where it's all, everything's Route 66. Our whole world is Route 66. There's a whole, you know, tourist industry built around it. Mm -hmm. So my knowledge of the Lincoln Highway is very small. Yeah, and you know... Really, after the whole hubbub of building this road, it kind of faded back into history. But in my personal opinion, I think it is one of the most important roads that was ever built in American history. Okay. And so I... Tell me why. (laughs) So I'll start with Carl Fisher. So this guy, he is an Indianapolis entrepreneur. This is the early 1900s. And he loved automobile racing. You know, before cars were really a thing, he would do bike races on bicycles. Okay. And he loved cars. He loved bikes. Um, He also, you know, was an entrepreneur. So he did a lot of inventing. And he patented, like, these headlamps for cars and effectively became the only person who produced these. A millionaire. Tons and tons of money. And he did a lot of crazy um, marketing stunts. He's been credited as having like the first car dealership in America. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that's what he claims. (laughs) And he would do these stunts where he would literally like push a car off the tallest building in Indianapolis and then drive it away. And he's like, look how safe this is. And he'd do that with bicycles (laughs) too. Um, And there was this one where he attached a car to a hot air balloon and had it fly over Indianapolis 
And then once it landed, got in the car and then drove. drove and <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> now there's stories that he took the engine out of that car in the hot air balloon and then had a lookalike yeah, that yeah, he drove yeah. through. So this man was big. Showman. <laughs> he He's was a, a showman. showman. That's for sure. And he... You know, like I said, loved racing, and he was one of the original investors in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Now, back then, it was used to test automobiles because there was just no good roads. And so manufacturers couldn't tell if it was like, you know, a car problem or a road problem. And they couldn't really test like how fast the car could actually go because it just wasn't safe to do it on any other road. So they had the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It, you know, used to just be like gravel and dirt. And they did do races and they were very dangerous because sure. you could skid out because, you know, it's gravel. So it was his idea to lay bricks. And that's why it's still called the Brickyard. And there you go. Mm-hmm. So this man, he had connections. He had a passion. And in 1912, he had this idea. He wanted to connect the East and West Coasts with a paved highway Now, at this time in history, this is, you know, the 19-teens, governments didn't really pay for roads. Sure. The federal government, you know, there's some exceptions here and there, but they just didn't pay for it. Neither did most state governments. They didn't see a, 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 what's the end game here? Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't conceptualize what that looked like. Yeah. And so at this time, the people who paid and managed roads were either the towns, the counties, or... The farmer. Yeah, the individual, <laughs> right, sure. Yeah. yeah, so he had this grand idea. We need to connect both coasts with a paved highway. It will be funded by contributors' tickets, which is sort of a little certificate that says, I'm a member of the Lincoln Highway Association. It was mostly just donate money and we'll give you a certificate for it. So private individuals, also automobile manufacturer donations, and then the city or county that it ran through, like their portion of the, sure. the cut. Some people who donated, Woodrow Wilson, who was currently president at the time, got ticket number one. Wow. The dude loved cars. Wow. Woody Woo. Mm-hmm. And then Theodore Roosevelt, he also got a ticket. Thomas Edison. Wow. Right? And then, so his automobile friends. So this guy was connected. Oh, yeah, he was. I mean, he had a lot of friends from producing these headlights and also racing. And he was very charismatic. (laughs) So like the president of Goodyear, the president of the Packard Motor Company, they all donated to this cause. Notably, Henry Ford didn't. Uh, Of course. He believed that roads should be a function of the government and government should pay for it. And so he's like, I'm not going to fund this. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. There's actually this story where Carl Fisher went up to Detroit and to like personally ask Henry Ford, like, will you donate? And they were at like the county fair. And I don't know if the story is true, but allegedly they had to like, (laughs) he was like asking him to donate like over a pig pen or something. And Henry Ford's like, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's done. So they, you know, started getting some money. They started planning it and... Started constructing it. So the original route was from New York City to San Francisco and in Indiana. So today it's mostly US 30. So that'd be, you know, Fort Wayne, Warsaw, Plymouth, Valparaiso. Okay. The original alignment 
kind of circumvented Warsaw and Plymouth and it went more north. So that's like Ligonier, Goshen, Elkhart, South Bend, Laporte, and then went back down. But later they, you know, just did a straight shot. So do you think they took some existing segments of roads in all these states and kind of connected them together? Or was it all just brand new construction? You know, honestly, I'm going to say mostly new construction because they're just, there weren't roads. Right. Even if it was a pre-existing route, it'd be a mud pit or poorly graded gravel yeah, sure, and stuff. So sure. more or less, yeah. And he was trying to make something that was consistent and... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so construction started in 1912. So a couple years later, America joins World War One. So this is 1917-1918. And the Lincoln Highway became a really important military route. You know, the war is over in Europe. We got to get a bunch of goods and food and supplies to the East Coast so we can ship them off to France. Sure. And at the time... Railroads were the main transportation, and they very quickly got overwhelmed with just everything that needed to go out. They were actually putting cars on the trains to go to the East Coast until, you know, someone's like, maybe we can drive them out. Yeah. You know, and again, roads were just so bad that everyone's kind of nervous about it. It's like, will they actually get there? So they did a test convoy from Ohio to Maryland. It took three weeks. They took the Lincoln Highway out to Maryland, three weeks. I think it was like 30 cars or, you know, military trucks on this convoy. Only 29 made it. I don't know what happened to that one. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. And so road construction, you know, at this time was only limited to important military routes to conserve goods and such for the war. And the Lincoln Highway was one of them. You know, with all these cars and military vehicles going out east, the road saw some wear and tear. And now you can get from Columbus to Baltimore in six hours and 24 minutes. I just (laughs) consulted Google Maps. Three weeks. Wow. Three full weeks. Yeah. So the war ends November 1918. And the Lincoln Highway, you know, the war happened and... Priorities shifted and they were kind of waning on national enthusiasm for the road. You know, the funds were kind of drying up. So there was a media opportunity in 1919, right after the war ended, where the U.S. Army did a two-month convoy from the White House to San Francisco. This is called the 1919 Motor Convoy. And the U.S. Army had three main goals for this convoy. One is to test Army vehicles. Another one was to recruit people for the Motor Transport Corps. It didn't really become anything, but at the time, the military was kind of considering, you know, how there's like the Navy and the Air Force doing some sort of like automobile force. Interesting. Yeah, it it didn't happen, but they they were trying it out. And now we have Space Force. (laughs) Yeah. And the last one was the U.S. Army's contribution to the Good Roads Movement. And they did this to demonstrate the need for a transcontinental highway for economic and military purposes. As we saw in World War I, we could not very easily get goods to where they needed to go quickly. And so this was also like marketing for we need better roads. Sure. And so it was a handful of Army men who did this convoy. And among them was a young Lieutenant Colonel Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh. 
And this wow. was, yeah, he was a young man. He had just missed World War One, and he was bummed. He was really, sure. he was genuinely bummed. He didn't go over to World War One, and he was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna be a paper pusher." Like, that's you funny. know. <laughs> and so he's quoted as saying he did it on a lark, you know, basically just for fun yeah. to do this convoy. Yeah. It really opened his eyes to how important roads are and how poor roads in America were at this time. You know, it was a three-month trip. He kept journals, and, you know, he said that the roads were well-paved until Illinois, and then after that, it was basically all dirt roads until they went to California. That's pretty wild how the two things that he is most known for, military and highways, that's where it all came together. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and so they started at the White House, and then they jogged up north to meet up with the Lincoln Highway, and then took that all the way out to San Francisco. And yeah, they had, in this convoy, there was the group of vehicles, and then there would be scouts ahead to make sure that the road was actually, like, passable. Right. (laughs) They passed through Indiana on July 17th and 18th of 1919. And, you know, there were parades, and it made the newspapers, and... This experience would just be like a fun fact in history if it weren't for Dwight D. Eisenhower on this convoy, because he really credits this experience as well as the Audubons in Germany when he went to World War II as inspiration for the interstate system. That's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. If we jump ahead 25 years, so the 25th anniversary of the Lincoln Highway, we're in 1938, and at this point, all but 42 miles have been paved, and those 42 were currently under construction. And this is the same year that Franklin D. Roosevelt signed the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1938, which is considered the first unofficial step towards the interstate system. It included a feasibility study of a system of eight cross-country freeways. It's like we only need eight. That's funny. <laughs> I'll put a map on the Centennial website to show listeners, but it basically looks like a tic-tac-toe grid. It didn't go through any cities. He's like, that's all we need. (laughs) That's funny. So there was a feasibility study in 1938 about how do we go about this? And that really opened the door to 1956 when Dwight D. Eisenhower's president, he signed the National Interstate and Defense Highways Act. So the Lincoln Highway then, Mm -hmm. then become a part of the interstate system or did it sort of fade off into obscurity or what was the future of it? It really faded into obscurity. So at this time, you know, the early 1900s, we didn't have the numbering system for roads. And so roads were just called the Lincoln Highway, the Dixie Highway, the National Road. And then when we implemented the numbering system throughout the United States, it wasn't just one number. It's 30 in Indiana, but it... I don't have those numbers in front of me, but they shift as you go more state out west. To state. Yeah, yeah, right. There are like little markers throughout right. that you've like, seen. Like I saw, yeah, right. I think that the Boy Scouts of America, I don't know, maybe in the fifties or so, they they put a bunch of markers on the route, and there's a couple statues of Lincoln in small towns that sure. it now runs through. There's you know a Lincoln Road, a Lincoln Highway, but yeah, it didn't become a part of the interstate system. Right. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I think it's one of the most important roads. I think that's very cool. You're right. It it precedes the national road, the mother road, the one I referred to earlier, Route 66, which people think of as the first highway. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of interesting that it it fell into obscurity, but it actually was the 
the beginning point. Yeah. And you know, there actually was an attempt for a transcontinental route before that, and that's the National Road. So this is the 1800s before we even got all the way to the West Coast, really. I mean, there was California, but, you know, there was like that murky (laughs) middle where 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 we haven't defined the states yet. And that was in the 1800s. And that was a federal government funded road that went from, I didn't prepare the National Road, from the East Coast. And then it stopped in Illinois because it was the panic of 1837, I want to say. Damn, early. Yeah. Yeah. And it ran out of money. Yeah. And so they just never picked it back up. And again, to your point, I mean, I'm sure they were scared to death of going across, you know, Indian territory at that point. Yeah. One day I'll tell you about the Michigan Road, which is an important route in Indiana that also um, faced some roadblocks in the panic. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing your story, Aunt Sarah. We appreciate <laughs> the story time. Of course. We'll do another one. We will. Yes. Keep checking back in. I will post on the Centennial website some photos that go along with this. If you want to see original maps, if you want to see pictures of the Lincoln Highway in its prime, maybe even Carl Fisher himself. Yeah, that'd be great. So thank you. Thank you. And here's where you put in your old-fashioned piano music as an (laughs) outro. The old horn. Oh, God. (laughs) 